You're ready to be premature wow, all over again. <laughs> wow, that's, that's impressive. Quick, quick reset. Yeah. Quick reset. Last night was Ramos Jizz. A Jizz. Who knew the job was pro bono? I was so high that um, I shit myself at some point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, get still here. Somebody, somebody, everybody mute. Goddamn, you can. <laughs> My SEAL Team 6 with the SEAL Team 12. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with punching above your weight. I thought you'd get better. Well, I don't know what's worse. You're a ginger or you've been vaccinated. You sit around and drink and solve the world's problems, right? Welcome back. The flu already. <laughs> uh, all right. Welcome back. God damn it. <laughs> so this is how it's going to be. We're up against a hard stop, and this is what we're doing. <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and frustrated gentlemen. Frustrated Thor says what? He is. He's getting really frustrated. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Los Cuatro Chinetes are in the studio. We are here once again. A Spirited Debate is back in the house, and we've got another good episode for you. Season three, as I say at the beginning of all of these, season three is, is rolling on. The train is, has left the station long ago, and we are plowing down the tracks. Thankfully, today, we uh, we have a quality show. We have a guest that is returning. Uh, if you heard them in season two, and then if you heard them on the 100th episode, they are back. We are fortunate enough to have the doc once again in the studio. We have a powerful uh, expose. No, that's the wrong word. Doesn't matter. We have a powerful topic that we're going to talk about today with the doc. So we're super excited that he's here. But first and foremost, gentlemen, how is everybody doing? Good. Yeah, good. you already fucked up my intro. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Now you now you're like playing it all subdued and shit. Yeah. I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. on task. All right. So uh yeah, we are here. Doing yeah. great. The train's barreling down the tracks. <laughs> yes. All right. So we are here. We have the doc in the studio. Doc, how are you doing today, brother? Thank you for joining us. We do appreciate it. Oh, all in all, doing really, really good. Fantastic. Uh obviously, before we jump into our topic, I want to touch base. You are our guest. I'm gonna let you go first. What drink are you having today? Uh, I am drinking premium branded H2O straight out of my fridge. I got to take the kids to uh, <laughs> skating right after this. So uh, the drink is going to have to wait till tonight. You don't want to be sober for that, I'm sure. I'm sure you don't. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's okay. You know what? Water. And that's one of the things we talk about here. It's like, you don't, you don't have to come on here and get hammered. If you don't drink, you don't drink. That's totally up to you. Uh, but I do appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much, gentlemen, for let you know going over your drinks. Obviously, as always, I say cheers to everybody here. Another great episode. Cheers. Super excited. We got the doc in the house. Salud. Cheers to everyone. Salud. And let's go ahead and jump into our topic. All right. So, if in case you hadn't paid attention, the doc was back uh, was on with us back in season two when we talked about um mental health, but 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 it was mental health as it pertained to kind of males and you know, how it affects men exclusively because we are all males and I'm not even going to try to fathom a guess of what the females have to deal with. Our bullshit is men and so on and so forth. So we didn't get into that. We have the doc back and we, we wanted to touch base with how he was doing, where he's at. And so we invited him back into the studio. So that's really what our topic is. Not a debate. We just wanted to touch base with him in terms of mental health. And that's what we're talking about today. And I'm going to let doc elaborate on what we're doing uh, and what we're discussing. So, Doc, thank you for being here. Take it away, brother. Thanks for having me. Let's take uh, just a, a just a couple seconds to kind of reintroduce uh, for those of you that may have heard some of the, the previous or you know maybe new to the whole situation. So, I've struggled with depression and ADD. Well, ADD all my life, but specifically depression since uh, thirteen. So, thirty three years into the whole uh, struggle, I've gone through multiple psychiatrists, psychologists, doctors, I've uh, gone through, um, I counted it for uh, purposes, but I, I think the count was about 26 different medications. I mean, all of your standard frontline, all the side effects, SNRIs, <laughs> um, you know, your uh, atypical antidepressants. I mean, you name it. If, if you name a brand name, I've probably at least spent a month on it. Um, antidepressants, they are functional for some purposes, not great for other purposes. A lot of times they plateau or, uh, 
Uh, sometimes they have worse side effects than they have good effects. Uh, I've had ones that made it feel like there was a ball bouncing around in my head every time I moved. Um, you know, and so it's been a struggle that that's the point. I mean, I, the number of medications, the, the number of blood tests, drug tests, uh, times I've been hooked up to, uh, the thing they put on your head to ch check your brain waste. I mean, it, it's just ridiculous at this point in time. It's been a lifelong of treatment and not a lot of results. So um, honestly, got to the point this summer after dealing with some um, exhaustion fatigue issues that uh, I was getting in a, a super dark place. I mean, uh, like we talked about on the last episode, as a, as a guy, you really ain't got time for depression. Uh, there's not there's not a way that as a father, a, you know, high skilled worker that I can just kick back for three months and go out to Arizona and sit in a, you know, smoke peyote and see my spirit animal, right? Whatever it takes to kind of get that reset. And so, you know, any treatment and even ramping up treatments can be, you know, highly disruptive to work. I mean, some of these medications will put you on your ass for a couple of weeks. Can I, can I, say ass oh yes yes absolutely yes. All right, ass. ass ass yeah we'd actually but, prefer if you did. Point being, um you know so it's always been a difficult difficult thing a lot of these treatments take four to six weeks to ramp up um and some of them give you another four to six decent weeks before they plateau and no matter how hard you increase them they just go nowhere uh, it's frustrating nobody has any answers if you read the labels if you read the research like again i'm an engineer and scientist i love to dive into the deep geeky stuff but half the documents are like we have no idea how this works but it works on 30 to 40 percent of the people we try it on so yeah we'll go with it and that's that's really you know it, it, it's more of an art than science to be honest with you because we just don't understand the mechanics of the brain well enough so kind of fast forward uh few years ago kind of heard about this coming down the pipe two different treatments one is called tms uh it is a magnetic based therapy sounds to me like they basically stuff your head in an mri machine and run you through a treatment and then another treatment that was starting to become right. approved is uh what's called ketamine ketamine is a you know, became a party drug back in the 80s it's a horse tranquilizer it's been used as a battlefield uh um, battlefield, uh, what's the word anesthetic for, yeah, you know, since at least, uh, it was discovered, I think, especially like in Vietnam, big benefit of ketamine over most anesthetics is it doesn't change your breathing. As a matter of fact, it actually increases your heart rate a little bit. So it's actually really safe to use, uh, because it doesn't require people to monitor your breathing and stuff, but it got a little bit of a bad name. Um, uh, I've heard it called like special K and terms like the K hole for people that, you know, abuse it, use it recreationally. So using it for the wrong that. reasons. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Using it for the wrong reasons for abuse, for party and things like that. Yeah. Just for my clarification real quick. Ket and I know the semantics ketamine, you're saying ketamine, is that the same as ketamine, right? Or you know, um, if you get 40 chemists in the same room, <laughs> and you try to get them to debate what the appropriate pronunciation is, you're going to walk out with like mostly dead people. It's just data. But, but same, I call it sediment. Well. It yeah, might be right. I mean, um, yeah, it's like data and data, pecan right. and pecan. I just want to make sure because yeah. when you start talking about drug names, right, you you can have them spelled the same way and they could be different drugs, but this is exactly. it's the same thing, just pronounced differently. I just right. want to exactly. make sure. Okay. Sorry, but, you. Uh, you know, to kind of cut it short, uh, Rogan started talking about it. Uh, it kind of actually became big. I don't want to say like in alt internet circles, but in your, your kind of um, a lot of people that, you know, your, your artists and well, we'll get into that in a minute because it, it's, it's a little bit pricey, but you know, kind of in your, your circles of a lot of people that, you know, traditionally deal with depression, your artists, your, your sports people, they needed something that wasn't a constant medication, didn't have these constant side effects. And so I, I believe in 2018, it finally got approved because they noticed that they would give people ketamine as a tranquilizer or a, uh, a, um, an anesthetic when they'd come into the hospital for being, uh, for wishing to do self-harm or in extremely manic states. Uh, and it would instantly calm them down and make those self-harm thoughts and feelings and desires completely go away, like gone, uh, which is, just unheard of 
Um, and so a lot of research went down and, and everybody can you know read up because this would take hours to talk about. But long story short, uh, over the last couple of years, it's begun to be approved. They've got a couple different ways of treating. Uh, there's a nasal spray, which a lot of insurances pay for. It's called S-ketamine with an E-S. Um, and it looks like it's over the counter name is Spravato. Yeah, Spravato. <laughs> And then the other way is the more traditional approach, um, which is uh, simply doing infusions. Um, and so they've started researching. It's it's kind of, I don't want to say it's a gray area because it's all legal and it's been FDA approved, but, you know, it's still in that area where insurances and, and things like that, getting it, you know, the appropriate approvals and, and all that stuff is a little bit of a mess. S-ketamine is usually covered by a lot of insurances. Uh, infusion-based ketamine is not, but I, I mean, granted the results that I'm hearing about and that I'm personally seeing, it wouldn't surprise me if we actually see this uh, start to become a more common treatment just because of how effective it is, how fast it, it is being effective. Um, so uh, point being, um, you know, what they do is they take and they do infusions. They're one-hour sessions. They ramp up the dosage every session uh, to find out what your body can handle, because with, with anything like this, if they give you too much, you can, you know, make a mess of the room or, you know, make a mess of yourself pretty quickly. So they, they kind of ease you in to find out what your body and your mind, your mind can handle. Um, takes two to three weeks. Uh, in my case, it was two weeks of every other day infusions. Now I'm going to be straight up. I would make a terrible, 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 uh, heroin addict because man, I cannot <laughs> stand needles. Um, I've, I've had, you know, multiple like root canals and stuff. Anytime I've had blood work, dude, needles put me through the roof. Um, so, so that don't is get diabetes is what you're saying and have to give yourself <laughs> insulin. Yeah. And, dude, yet, you're, I would and yet you're covered in tattoos. I don't get it. <laughs> the thing is i want that i just can't decide what i want on that. that's been my problem is i can't i can't decide what i want on, on ink long enough to actually get the ink so but um yeah point being you start off with kind of a ramp up treatment uh and that can be two to three weeks it varies depending on the practice the folks that i went to wanted it every other day i've read that some other practices do it three weeks twice a week doesn't particularly matter and then they want to judge on maintenance so uh, I actually take my first maintenance. It's been three weeks, my first maintenance treatment tomorrow. Um, the experience is pretty crazy. I, I, I've straight up done a lot of pots, smoked, drank a lot of throughout my life. Never really done anything too hardcore. Uh, Pink Floyd 94 at uh, <laughs> Bobby Dodd Stadium. I did drop a little bit of LSD. Um, just like every one of the, every other one of the 75,000 people there. Um, but, you know, I've never really done much, much hard stuff. Um, you know, it's just never been my taste. E even weed, I, you know, always made me a little bit sick or dizzy and just never, eh, you know, so it wasn't something, you know, hit it occasionally, but it's not something I'm going to like seek out regularly. So never been a big uh, drug user. Um, but, you know, again, drinking, smoking, you know, the mental health medications. I, I, you know, I know what a, a high and a low feel like, but ketamine was completely different than anything I could have expected. Um, I think the first thing that blows my mind about it is not necessarily the intoxication. It's kind of how you feel afterwards. Um, you get drunk, smoke weed, you feel heavy. Um, you know, you're walking out of a room when you're particularly high or a little bit drunk and you feel like you're going to fall forward, fall backwards, you know, you, you just feel heavy and kind of out of place. Ketamine, uh, when you're on the other side of the intoxication and starting to recover, you feel light. Uh, I mean, like literally lighter on your feet, like gravity has changed. Um, I remember you and I trading some texts after your sessions. Well, before we, yeah, but before we dive too deep, I do want to ask first, were you, and again, when you say ketamine, ketamine, like special K, it's a horse tranquilizer. Like, was there hesitation at the beginning? You're like, what, what, 
what the fuck are you wanting to do to me? Well, like, and, how does this translate to improving if, my state of being? And well, if I can tack yeah, on uh, an aspect to that question, which is I saw ketamine, uh, what was the term they used, um, is for treatment-resistant depression, yes. which I, I think is what you described of going through all these different medications that were not achieving the effect, which is probably... I'm assuming what led to the doctor referral, because that's the means by which you can access this. Right. As I understand it. Well, let's, let's, let's hit Dave's question first. Oh, let's <laughs> hit, <right>. It's fine. <laughs> let's hit the Grinch's question first. And then we'll get to the other question. So okay. treatment resistant depression. Uh, apparently that's now defined as like multiple months and two to three medications. You know, I've gone for 33 years and 20 something medications. I think we're pretty much in the treatment resistant category. But, you know, again, it's one of those things that um, it, it goes back to just we have terrible mental health care. The, the ability to get in and see a doctor regularly, a good doctor, get the investigation done, get the testing done, build that medical history and develop a long term treatment plan and idea. It's just our medical system is not treated, not not built to treat things that way. And and can I ask Andy, your doc? Damn it, I'm doing the same thing. <laughs> um, <clears throat> lots of editing going on here. Um, that the path to this treatment did that come through psychology psychiatry channels, or was that more like MD? Like, or was it health? the dude on the street trying to sell you some ketamine? Because I mean, in 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 part of that. My question is, in, to the very point you were making, is it's rare unless you're in a specialized center, we'll even call it like Mayo Clinic, you know, for oncology, that you've got like all the different facets of of, of healthcare represented to come up with a holistic solution. You know, you kind of get right. the, you know, I equate it to like if you get injured, you get the physical therapy take, you get the medicinal take, and you get the like surgery take on all what could happen. And then part of you is like, hey, can all three of you talk and tell me what you think the best answer is here? Yeah, don't don't even get me started on that. That, that is a huge problem in healthcare is, is there's just never that holistic view because it's, it's you know, any given system. As an engineer, I, I get this intrinsically, right? But for some reason, once you get outside of the engineering practice and things like that, but any given system is going to have multiple complexities. It's going to have multiple inputs, multiple outputs. So same thing with your body, uh, you know, diet, exercise, sunlight, vitamins, genetics, all these things tie in together to, to determine the best way to treat things. And honestly, we just, as a society and a medical practice, it's just not done. It's just not performed that way. Yeah. It's more so, like a choose your own adventure. Almost. Exactly. Exactly. You know? I am very lucky in that I found a private, um, private psychiatrist here in Raleigh. Uh, I pay completely out of pocket, completely out of pocket, never has been covered by insurance. I've had other psychiatrists that were covered by insurance, never had really good results. But the thing that I appreciate about my private practitioner over most of the, we'll call them more common, you know, off the shelf practitioners, right? You know, no discs, maybe they're good for some people, maybe they're not good for some people, is that, um, she is very open to logical and reasonable discussion and me doing my own research. That's not, I do my own research and start taking different shit without talking to her. It's, you know, I read, I, I research, we talk about the latest things. I try to be as, as scientific and, and document as much as possible for her. And then, you know, we discuss. Um, so it's, it's definitely a good uh, patient provider relationship, much better than you're going to get in most of your off the shelf, uh, relationships. Because right. again, I think a lot of healthcare is based around you're sick. We make you better. You don't come back until you're sick again. Right. Whereas with chronic conditions, with lifelong conditions, it's a very, it's, it's almost like, a relationship like I deal with in the technology industry. I, I sell a piece of equipment, but I'm also selling my company as a service provider and a relationship. And so, you know, in order to sell more hardware and software into the company, I've got to constantly 
talk to the customer and see how their needs are changing and how they're doing things like that. So it's, it's more relationship based, whereas traditional medicine is more transactional based. You have a fever. We tell you to take two, come back in the morning. There's nothing wrong with that in particular, because a lot of, a lot of healthcare is transactional. You, you know, you get a, uh, a minor infection. They give you the right antibiotics and within a few weeks, you're better. Yeah. Uh, you have a virus. They, you know, make sure that you have, fluids and rest and in a, a week or so you're better but again for these lifelong chronic things that's just kind of a, a poor fit so now kind of back to the other question though um you know really i found out first about ketamine uh walked out of my doctor's office and a guy uh, i think he said his name was tyrone i uh, was sitting on the back of his car had his trunk open and uh kind of waved me over and no, I mean, honestly, I'm all in. <laughs> That's funny. My doctor no, was just I mean, telling um, me, and here you are. Yeah, and, and here I am today. So, no, but uh, really, it just came from a lot of research. I mean, uh, it, at least for me, the, the journey has been so long and so frustrating that sometimes you just get to the point of you're, you're searching the internet, you're asking around on, you know, Reddit or Facebook forums, and you're like, hey, anybody have any idea about this? And ketamine popped up. And so I watched a couple of, you know, interviews, videos about it, started doing a little bit of reading on it. And, you know, at first I had a lot of trepidation and it's, it's a little bit twofold when you have a chronic condition and you have something that's extremely promising, you always have that first thing is I'm going to let down. I'm going to mm -hmm. get let down. The danger of hope. Work. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to get my hopes up. I, I've gotten my hopes up every time I've gotten a new prescription and, you know, here we are 33 years later, I'm lying in bed 12 hours a day, hating life, you know, things like that. The second thing is you almost become an, I don't know what the right word is. You become accustomed to the condition. You mean and, the condition of depression, the condition of failure that, you know, these of, treatments of aren't depression. working? Okay. Depression and the, the mental illness issues, they become part of your being in such a way that you become a, a little bit fearful. I had thoughts of like, well, what if I come to the other side of this and realize that maybe I shouldn't have gotten divorced and remarried 10 years ago. Uh, or maybe I come out to the other side and Jesus Christ, I'm just an asshole and I need to get out of my house and my relationship. You know, you actually start to have these like worries that your life is completely dependent on this. And if it's fixed, all of a sudden you may be no identity a without a paddle. It's, yeah. Or... It's like, it's like manic anxiety. No, it, you know, I, it's like a self, it's a self-feeding mechanism, I guess. is another Self-licking ice cream cone, I think yes. they call it. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, Doc, I'm curious if you, if you truly had no depression, if you woke up tomorrow, depression was gone. Would you even recognize what that looked like? I mean, 33 years of dealing with this shit. Would you even recognize a day or, or a world where you aren't dealing with that weight, where you aren't dealing with the concern uh, you know, and, and, and all of the things that come with it. And again, I I've said this way back when on this show, I don't honestly think I've ever dealt with depression. Maybe I have, and I, I didn't know what that looked like. I don't think I have. And I, I can't imagine what that would be like when I hear people describe depression, the blanket that it is, the weight, the heaviness, would you recognize a world without it? And I know you're on these treatments and you probably thought I'm getting better. And then shit goes sideways. And then the treatment stops working. Like, like, and and that's not to be a naysayer about it, but would do you think you're like, I know what a world without depression mm -hmm. would look like. So when I get there, I'm going to know. So that's a great question. Um, one of the things I think that's, that's kind of maybe misunderstood or that at least I, the way I understand my depression and, and maybe this is misunderstood kind of globally and uh, leads to a lot of the challenges is I think of your, your mood and your, your energy levels, things like that, your mental health, it's, it's almost like a waveform on a graph. You have plus one, minus one, and then you have a zero point. With depression, that zero point is what gets moved lower. So my highest high might be somebody else's lowest zero. low. Oh, well, okay. Yeah. Or zero. Yeah. Right. And so where I was at before I started the, the treatment uh, at the beginning of August, I, I would say that my my zero point was like a negative 10. Um, looking back, it, it's possible I should have 
And, you know, I even asked my doctor if she wanted to put me in the hospital temporarily uh, because it was getting bad. Um, I mean, super, super bad uh, to the point where I was just, I, I just need to make it. I just need to live on Friday. I was like, I just need to live till Monday and maybe I have some hope. Um, so that's, that's probably the biggest thing where I think people don't get depression. They just, this fear I, I'm down or I'm up today or I'm having a bad day or a good day. Whereas depression is an entire change in the, the range that you experience. Like I said, my highest high new job, new baby, new puppy, hundred thousand dollar bonus winning the lottery might not even get me to a zero or one where that puts other people quite literally on cloud nine. Um, and so all of those joy, all of those happiness, you know, things that people describe are, are muted or are very attenuated by the depression. Um, so to kind of, you know, bring that full circle to answer your question, I would know, but I don't know that I would know what to do with a world where I wasn't depressed. If I woke up and had what I perceived to be, you know, a full eight to 10 hours of, of energy and happiness and pep and just go to it and mental focus. I don't know what the hell I would do with myself. Mm-hmm. You're like, what well, the fuck is wrong with me? What's going it, on? I mean, and it almost scares you, right? Yeah. Because it you're, it, you. you're afraid that it might come to an end because you're like, I've been down this road. And then there's that risk of self-sabotage almost, <laughs> which is exactly a Grinch. You get into that, you get into that, that, Start questioning yourself. Am I going to self-sabotage? If all of a sudden all of this is off the table and I have a dynamic change, all of a sudden I've got all this energy, you start thinking, you know, do would, would I, you know, is, is my marriage right? Is my family mm-hmm. right? Am I in the right job? Uh, do I even like what I'm doing with my life? You know, uh, you know, yeah. and I'm sure for some people, not me in particular, but uh, I'm sure for some people that could be like, Am I maybe, you know, gay instead of straight? Am I maybe straight instead of gay? I mean, I mean, you know, it's you start to question, you know, <laughs> is the reality that I've lived in for years real? Um, That's a different conversation, Grinch. Keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Not a simulation. Well, it's, like, it's like a t- yeah, we're living in a simulation, but um, it's like a tightrope, right? Of like, you know, you've got hope on one side, right? Like too much, almost too much that tips you this way. And then you've got the trying to realistically acknowledge what's going on the other way and going, do I succumb to that? But I'm trying to, I'm trying to balance the two. And I imagine it's also similar to. Similar to Mac balancing on the uh, sex sling in his room. It is. Yes. Yes. It's very similar. Which way does he go? We, we never know. That's right. (laughs) But um, it's similar of like, uh, and I know you're familiar with this aspect of like, do you vocalize and try to kind of socialize what you're dealing with, or you're like, am I just talking about it too much? And I, I just want to not talk about it. That, <laughs> you know, that goes like, back to our, our, <laughs> our last conversation, right? Um, as a man, the, the one thing you don't, or you, I don't know whether we're not programmed to do it, whether we're not socially programmed to do it, but the last thing I want to do is piss and moan every time I am not having a good time. And especially with chronic stuff, it's like, all I'd ever do is complain and I don't like complaining. I'd rather just work through it and move on. Yeah. You start feeling yeah. like Eeyore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then, but there's, but a, there's then the a issue is wrapped up into anytime you've got a chronic issue and there's, there's the promise or that, that light at the end of the tunnel for a fix. Um, so, uh, yeah. I, and I guess then how do you also weigh, well, you're just getting older, right? You're getting older. You move a little slower. You know, you rebound a little slower. Maybe, you know, it, it's not like being 45 isn't like being 25, right? So how much of it is I'm just depressed or I'm just getting older. And so things are happening just in a different way. Body chemistry is changing. Because none of us are women, right? But if you kind of look at the example of women going through menopause, right? They just hit that wall and things change for them. Well, how much of that is in your body? Like your chemistry is just changing. And again, 33 years of dealing with this, 20 some odd medications, all of that changes your body chemistry from what it originally was. It can't not. So then how much of it is, is that factor, you know? And, and, and I mean, I don't know, and I don't have an answer. I just can't imagine going through that. You know, as far as I know on this show, doc sans you Haas, you're the only one that mentioned that you have dealt with depression on, on kind of any level. Yes, right. So, so and, and I was uh, honestly, the day we had that conversation, I was surprised because I didn't know you had dealt with depression. 
Yeah, it's it's. A, I mean, obviously not to the degree to which Doc has, has been dealing with it, nor nor the the length or, or depth or breadth. But yes, I've had a couple bouts of it of of myself over the years. Um, fortunately, I have a I have a spouse who um, comes from a long line of family members that are bipolar and have depression issues, and she recognizes highs and lows and those kinds of things, and she was able to kind of help me get through it, if you will. Okay. Or let, help, help me get help to get through it. Well, I'd like to ask you a question because we didn't discuss this. And of course we have Doc here and we did, you know, Grinch mentioned it and Doc has echoed it and, and you know, the, the social acceptableness of a male doing it. Is there a particular reason you didn't tell any of the four of us on this show that you were depressed? And I'm not trying to put you on the spot. You can tell me to go fuck myself. I'm just curious. You never no, mentioned it. I mean, I don't think it's one of those things that occurs to you at the time, right? Like that's not, that's not the focal point. And I think Doc's right. I mean, I think Doc definitely hit, a nail on the head when um, we don't deal with mental health issues well um, in the U S and, and, and as men we're, 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 I mean, look, we, we all know those stoic men, like our fathers and grandfathers and uncles. I mean, these stoic types where we're not, we're not supposed to talk about our emotions and we're surely not supposed to talk about them openly, honestly, on a regular basis with other people, you know, outside of maybe, uh, you know, a psychiatrist's office. And even, even not that long ago, that was kind of, shun shunned at and looked down upon even like within the workplace right so okay. i i don't think no i don't think there's a specific reason I don't, I don't think i i don't recall going out of my way not to talk about it i just don't think when you're in the middle of the thick of it i mean that's not at least for me that wasn't a thought process yeah that's what i was gonna i was gonna say it reminded me of the phrase when you when you find yourself in hell you know keep going but um but i i as i recall haas it was more a realization in the review mirror, not necessarily that you were completely out of it or done with it, but sorry, I got to deal with something real quick. Okay. Yeah. I think it was, I think maybe where you were going with that is, is you didn't realize it until after the fact. Um, so it wasn't something you could bring up and say, Oh, Hey guys, I'm dealing with this, you know, and not necessarily, you know, Hey, can you help me with it? But just something, you know, and obviously, I'm sure we would have, but you didn't realize it until after the fact, I think, to some extent. Until your correct. spouse told you right. you were yeah, behaving it, a certain way. You know, it's interesting. And, and the reason why I love the doc come on here and talking about it is because it gives me kind of some clarifications and some contrast to my, my own personal situation, which is why I hope that we have listeners out there that will value this as much as I know I do when doc comes on. So thank you, doc. Um one of the things he I heard him mention earlier is is when you're you feel bogged down, weighted down. You like uh, for me, it felt like um like I was trying to walk through quicksand, like up to my chest, and it's this like you you get so uh, tired and frustrated that you don't even know what to do because like I don't know, it's hard to explain. Like you can't get out of your own head, mm -hmm. you know, and you can't you you don't even know how to function. Like it, it, it becomes paralyzing, almost even catatonic. Um, at least, I, I guess the best way I can say is you can talk, but I mean, at least I can. But it's like emotional, uh, intellectual catatonicness is kind of what I felt. Uh, and like I said, fortunately, I had a spouse that was able to kind of help guide me through that and kind of help me navigate those waters. Um, so for me, it was it was that. But I mean, it took months when I finally got in and realized what the situation because I didn't even realize I was in it. My, you know, my spouse did, and. Um, it took months to, to, to get right. Yeah, no, I totally, I totally understand that. Um, I mean, I'll give you one example. And I, I, I don't know if I gave this last, last time, but I, uh, in my office, I've got a five foot wide desk and to my right is a kind of a little shelf credenza thing. And I had a piece of paper there that needed to be thrown away to my left, um, is a trash can. That piece of paper sat there for, I would say, six or seven months because I could not assemble the necessary effort. My arm span is over six feet. Not a big, <laughs> not, not a, a big, big deal. Page. To pick up that piece of paper, move it from one side of the desk into the trash can. And the problem with this, and, and I think this goes to Grinch's question and and. Haas, like you said, you, you kind of start to realize you're in quicksand, but anytime you get lost, you're, you're driving somewhere, you're traveling somewhere, you don't realize you're lost until you're lost. It's not like you miss your exit or you miss your turn and you immediately realize it and you, you fix it, right? You're miles down the road 
you know, sometimes days, months, weeks, years into this. And then there's a moment, either it's a super low moment, it's an argument with your spouse, it's somebody saying something to you, a coworker's like, hey, everything all right? Your your work's kind of sucked lately. Are you still with it? Any number of little things. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, holy shit, where am I? Um, And so then when you look back, you're like, wow, oh, oh shit, I didn't realize I was that bad off. But it's, it's just a, it's a, it's a little, little drip at a time that eventually, you know, puts you, puts you in an ocean, you know, it's a step at a time into that mud that now all of a sudden you're knee deep, waist deep, and you can't get your boots out and you can't <laughs> lift your legs. You know, it's, there, there's any, any number of ways to say it. And we just lack that. We lack that language. We, we lack that ability to communicate because even, even then uh, under normal depression, one of the things I've found is that a lot of times you lose your, your voice, um, not, you know, laryngitis, but you, you lose your voice. You lose your ability to, to communicate what you're experiencing simply because there, there's not, there's not words, there's not descriptions and you can't, even my doctor, as great as she is, sometimes I say things and I think it just go totally goes over her head. Right. You know, you got people on Instagram and they're like, they take a picture and they're like, Hey, you know, looking cute today might grab a Frappuccino. There's no like Instagram version for just another day. Maybe I won't exist at the end of the day. <laughs> you know, there's just not that. And, well, and even that doesn't even cover it. Right. It's just, it, there's just not a way to, you know, communicate that because it, it, it doesn't make sense to the person that's not struggled with it uh, or is not going through. Well, and, and I think it's important to point out too, because it occurs to me as we're talking about this. Um, I, I think I can say this, speak on your behalf, Doc. We, we live amazing lives. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's not like we're living shit-tastic lives, and so therefore we're depressed or we have yes. depression, right? That's what's weird about it. Is like, and I don't know about you, I I actually felt guilty about feeling depressed because I'm like, what do I have to be I depressed gonna, about? Like yeah, I, I have this amazing life. Exactly. I have an amazing spouse. I have a great job. Like I'm living this, and then I'm depressed. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, dude, yeah. get your shit together. What were you gonna That's, say, Mac? Hold on. No, that was it. Go I was gonna say, do you, at some point, do you real? Do you think you know? What, what do I have to, and we know, right? It, it's not a materialistic thing, right? It's, it's, it's clearly a psychological thing, but you know, as men, we probably look at it and go like, like you said, Oz, why should I be depressed? Right. I've got all this nice stuff. You know, I've got a family that loves me. You know, what, what do I have to be depressed about? And then you start going down that path of, okay, well, I'm not going to even acknowledge it because I shouldn't be depressed. Even though we, like I said, it, it's a psychological thing. It's not a materialistic thing. You know, no, you're exactly right. And then you, you, I don't know whether this is male programming or maybe just the way we were brought up, but you look around and you take our friend that, you know, passed away last year from, from cancer and you see, you know, some of the pictures towards his end of life and, you know, read his blog and you're like, man, I, I, I don't have anything near as bad as that. And and so you're, you're thankful that, you know, things are all right but mm-hmm. at the same time you're still suffering and so you're trying to like place yourself in some hierarchy um uh, and that's i mean that's what we talked about right that's that 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 uh guilt driven self feedback and it's like you find a way to turn the narrative to anything to like i should be or here's a reason i should feel bad <laughs> you know whether it's guilt pride yeah, whatever it, it ends up or, becoming in part of it it ends up becoming subjective confirmation right on yourself or, yeah. or do you flip the script and say you know i'm not going to deal with it because i have nothing to be you know depressed about so clearly it's probably not depression it's something else and but is you that, get the treatment that you need to deal it, with it properly. is that you looking critically at the situation and going i have nothing to be depressed about or is it your justification that the outside world is looking at you going what do you have to be depressed about and uh, haas we both, talked right about, yeah haas we talked about this on our call one day and then i mentioned it on the podcast was everybody you know we talk about our problems mac you do this all the time oh first world problems doesn't matter but when they're your problems it, that's it. It's a major issue because that's your perspective. It's what you know. And so I, I get where you go, oh, well, what do I have to be depressed about? But is that really you doing that? Or is that you're justifying the outside world's looking at you going, got a good spouse, got a good job? Yeah, bro. Uh, no, I mean, I mean, I, I think that's a great question. And I will say, um, Mrs. Haas and I actually recently had a conversation about 
this situation because <laughs> of all things, I saw a Matthew McConaughey post where he was talking about, you know, somebody of his went to see his grandpappy. He was 94 and he asked me, how do you advice for him? Cause he was about to graduate college and his grandpappy said to him, well, I, I never had as many uh, crises in my life as there really were, you know? And so I, I mean, I'm mean, thinking wow. about that a lot actually and about how, is it really a fucking crisis? Like, well, really? I, am, I, am I am I making it a crisis? Is, are my spouse and I making it? Are our kids? Do, are, I mean, are outside things? Because is it really a crisis? Am I having to seek shelter? If I'm, am I having to look for food? Am I having to to you know to to dodge religious persecution or assassination? Like, well, I mean, well, is it really a crisis? But but I think you're doing exactly what Thor just talked about, right? It's a cri- It's a crisis to you. To you, right? Well, it, so it, you could you could you know, there's what five of us on this call. And you could throw out a situation and three of the five of us could say, that's a fucking crisis. And the other yeah. two could be like, really? Well, that's what you're upset about. Right. Well, two quick things I want to say that one is, you know, when I was a young officer, a lot of us were given this article written by a retired 06 about big problems and little problems and knowing like, will this matter tomorrow? And all of us were nodding our heads like, oh, man, this guy gets it. I'm like, yeah, he gets it because he's retired. In the moment, he couldn't be that way. And he fucking knows it. Right. Because well, it's, it's, he didn't the- have the experience, the maturity or the authority to say today it's not that big of a deal. And and then, you know, this kind of pivots into the second related point, which is I'm going to turn this phrase into to relate to this topic, which was there was a guy I worked with that had this quote in his signature block, you know, you can say what you want about people that do that or don't, but it said, how does a project get six months behind schedule one day at a time? That to me is very, it's, it's very relatable to this. If it's like, well, how have you dealt with this so long? Well, one day at a time. Right. And one day became a week and a week became a month. And next thing I know, another year had gone by because right. you yep. just get through it, you know? <laughs> no, that, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. <laughs> You go to a doctor's appointment or you try medication and it doesn't work. And then the doctor can't see you for three more weeks or six more weeks, or I've got three weeks of work travel, or we've got stuff for the kids. Or we're going to take the family on vacation or something comes up financially. There's always something that I think you're going to try to put in front of that. I don't know whether it's a, it's like a natural avoidance or whether it's just the way we're programmed to deal with the tactical over the strategic in our lives, right? If, you know, I, I think of it like this, you know, uh, you, you're out with your your two kids and, and the wife, you go to get ice cream, you've got a beautiful ice cream cone you're about to take a bite out of, and all of a sudden the three-year-old drops her ice cream cone and starts crying. What's the first thing you do? Say sucks to be you, and then you lick well, your yeah, ice cream. Well, yeah, which group are you asking? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to be careful who you ask that to, Doc. You dropped your ice cream. That's good. You ain't got no. Yeah, I know. I was wondering. I was wondering who was going to do the Eddie Murphy. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, but uh, and, you know, typically what you're going to do is you're going to you're going to go into triage mode, right? You're going to um, you're going to give the three year old some of your ice cream, clean up, and you know, figure the rest out later. And that might mean you never get any ice cream. But the point being is I, I think you can take that, you know, while that's good for those those difficult situations, you've got a flat tire, uh, you get in a car wreck, you know, where you, you've got a triage, you got to think on your feet. It's not good for never taking or it's not good for taking um, a longer look at your life. Well, I think um, it, it maybe to, to finish up that analogy for you, right? You know, so you get a flat tire and you throw the spare on there. And you drive on the spare for the next 15 years. You know, what, exactly. what, you, you no, have, that's exactly fix the problem. And, and that's what happens sometimes, I, I think, is yeah. what you're saying is you 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 fix the short-term problem to get you through that day, but you don't think about the long-term problem of okay, yeah, I fixed today, but how am I gonna deal with this going forward? Right. Exactly. And the problem is that spare tire says right on it, only good for 50 miles. And yet <laughs> yeah, you try to run the fucking tread right off of it. Um I, I do think we should maybe come home to you've done, you did the treatment yes and where that is with you now and i guess my opening question related to that is i was reading it says while on the drip uh most patients lick asleep most don't move or talk though 
some may talk or comment about the music in their headphones. Was it, what was your experience like? Well, let's hit one more point real quick. Um, We could probably have an entire third episode on this as to the dangers of a man coming, coming out since that's such a big term uh, with a mental health diagnosis in the workplace, in family court, in society, et cetera. Um, So, you know, that also plays into kind of what we've been talking about here as a man, you, you don't, it's not coming off weak. It's coming off dangerous. Um, so right now there's not a high amount of acceptance for, for a man coming out as a, uh, you know, deeply mentally ill, um, for a lot of reasons. And like I said, that could be an episode or more even unto itself, but so moving on, let's, um, since we got a little bit of a limited time today, let's, let's hit on the, the ketamine treatment. So ketamine is a dissociative. Um, basically what that means is it detaches the mind from the body. In short, that's you know, not the, the total mechanic. But so probably the best way to describe how it felt uh, was my third treatment. Um, it was a terrible day. It was one of those days, uh, early August, we had one. It was like 90% humidity. It was 95 degrees outside. Um, the... Uh, I had to have you, you can't drive either way. And uh, Mrs. Doc was at work. So uh, I had to take a a car to transport me over, uh, basically an Uber. And the Uber was a little bit warm. I walk into the office. The office is warm. You know, you're a little bit of sweat on your back. You're uncomfortable. <laughs> I hate needles with a passion. The either I was a little bit dehydrated or something because the, the poor nurse took like three stabs at me before she got a good vein. And literally I'm sitting in that chair. I mean, it's, it's a comfortable chair. Um, you know, I have, uh, I bring along like, uh, what's called chill step music. It's just like low, it's electronic music, but it's, uh, kind of like low key, uh, electronic music, um, kind of ambient stuff. Um, they've got like a fractal thing going on the TV. So colors and swirls, all that stuff. But, uh, I'm sitting in that chair. I am uncomfortable as hell. I'm like, this is going to be a miserable experience. I am so pissed off right now. Terrible day already worked in the morning and had a bunch of shit going on at work that morning. And within about five minutes, I don't want to say it was like aloofness. It just, <laughs> it just melted away. I, I didn't care anymore. I'm right? imagining that scene in the big Lebowski where he's just like flying through the air, holding the yeah. bowling ball. And <laughs> Actually, it's more like Zoolander, the, uh, where they do the, the relax scene, but no, that, that's when you're deeper in. But yeah, I mean, probably the first thing I noticed, especially, like I said, I'm extremely sensitive to, to the needle. So it is always, I always feel that needle, feel that needle, feel that needle. And then, um, it, it just, it just kind of goes away. And, um, Unlike like anesthetics, like strong anesthetics, like propofol, where I've had that for like different surgeries and stuff where you're like three, two, one, you know, wake up the next day. Right. This is it's it's a very kind of slow transition. And then you feel a little bit tired. You kind of um, maybe not tired, not sleepy, just rested, relaxed. I usually close my eyes a little bit. And the first thing that I notice there is that I have to turn down my music. Um, cause even though I listen to my music at a pretty moderate volume, it, it becomes louder. You're, you're more aware of it. Uh, and I'm using, um, in-ear, uh, monitors, uh, which are pretty high quality. So they, uh, they filter out most external sound. Um, and then I start seeing the colors show up through my eyelids more than so, just the normal. So you bring your own music in your own headphones. Yes. That's yeah. not necessarily mandatory, like a mandatory no. aspect. Okay. Some people bring like nature sounds. Some people don't bring music at all. Some people bring classical. Gotcha. Um, you know, it's just it's just what you like. For me, um, I listen to the chill step stuff. It's like, you know, get on the plane at eleven thirty at night and you just put that on, or six forty five in the morning, put it on, kick back in your airplane seat and chill out. So, it's just very good. It's just relaxing background music. Um, but then you actually kind of start to go in, and the first thing you'll you'll notice after you kind of start to lose most, you know, pain and discomfort feelings is you start to, uh, I hate to use this term because it's not very accurate, but you do float away from your body a little bit. I've never gone like full third person, but. So is know, it like a euphoric? I mean, is that. Very euphoric, very okay. euphoric, very relaxed. And it says that people look paralyzed or sleepy. I, From what I'm experiencing, 
it's not that I can't move per se, or I, I mean, I've tried to move a little bit, but um, I just don't want to. Very, and that's probably the biggest thing to me, more so than the, than kind of the visuals and the depth of where your mind goes. Um, it It's the amount of relaxation and just the stress of everything completely melts away. Um, now, over the six sessions, they have upped the dosage. The first dosage was, you know, decent. Um, the last dosage was like, um, I think dosage three was the, uh, three was the bus, four was the semi truck, five was the train, and and six was the two trains on the same track <laughs> level. <laughs> um, so. Are you making a case for or against doing this? <laughs> uh, honestly, I, I think that this headed should be at like, one another. Everybody or... <laughs> should have a monthly one-hour ketamine infusion. Uh, it would change the world. But um, yeah, so you, you start to kind of go deeper in and deeper in and deeper in with the visuals and things like that. And, and again, like I said, it's it's not that you you can't move or that I I can't move. It's just I I don't I don't, don't want see the need to. Your mind starts right. to float. Um, I still have a pretty good ability to maintain rational thought. But one of the things I notice is you'll start to, those rational thoughts will start to drift. You'll have something on your head and, and you know, you know, you know what, never mind. And it just goes away, <laughs> right? So, um, but then you will get to a point, it's almost like a roller coaster where you start to go up that hill uh, and you realize, like, I, I can identify in each of my treatments when I've hit the top. <laughs> or the bottom or whichever one you call it. Um, and occasionally I'll even like speak something out loud like that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like all of a sudden it just clicks in your brain that you are at the top. Um, and then you, you know, you slowly come down off the infusion takes about 30 minutes to recover. Um, I've never seen anything like, you know, angels or God, although, like I said, you're, you're, you, for me, I've always kind of started to notice uh, a, a little bit of a, uh, What's dissolving of of reality, uh, or, or the physical at least? You you, you know your your body seems to become trivial, and you start to like like think of yourself as cells and chemical reactions, and you know uh, rather than you know the physical human being you are. Um, I even have um, heard that some people have relived some pretty traumatic events. I noticed that I had two or three instances where I had a traumatic event i didn't relive it but i remember distinctly the feelings and sensations came back but again in a much more cope copable fashion <laughs> if that makes sense right um like you you re-experiencing it but it's not it's not traumatic it's not pleasurable but i wouldn't say it normalizes it it doesn't carry the same weight as it did previously yeah. maybe Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then, like I said, it, uh, you know, you have about 30 minutes. Uh, they, they usually come in the room and you, you notice them come in the room because they have to check the machine when it uh, when the infusion finishes. Um, and then it takes probably about 30 minutes to recover. Uh, and, and again, you're still well within that. You, you just start to come down. It's not like a heavy crash or anything like that. But the other thing that I've noticed that's even crazier is your mind comes back first. Um, after about a half hour of finishing the transfusion, maybe 45 minutes, uh, you'll get sick of being connected to the machine and the heartbeat monitor and stuff like that. And usually ring your bell and they'll come yeah, in. You start getting a little restless at that point. Yeah. But your brain's back. Like you want to reach for your phone and start checking emails, so, start texting people. And I've texted some of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but then you like try to talk or walk and you have no coordination whatsoever. Like you are having 100% coherent thoughts, but like your speech is completely shot. Your, your ability to type gone. Um, so again, unlike, you know, your alcohols, your depressants, things like that, you're not like your, your thought processes aren't slowed down. Your thought processes start to come back to normal. It's just your body stays, uh, not keeping up with it. For, right. Hey, hey, Doc, since we're running out of time, I want, there's a couple questions I want to ask. So how, so you, you, how often do you get the treatments? Uh, so from now on, like I said, they do the initial onboarding. Uh -huh. um, and 
there, there's a lot more to it. Like they give you these little quizzes that kind of test where your anxiety and depression symptoms are and your sleep and things like that. Um, like once a week, once a month. Well, at first it's, it's six times in two to three weeks. Okay. And then they go to every three weeks. And the goal is eventually to get that down to a couple times a year. All right. And do you find that you're pretty squared away in between the treatments as well? Uh, the first week was really good. The second two weeks have been not as good, but it hasn't been a deep dive back into depression, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and do you cut all other medications during this process? No, no okay. absolutely Interesting. not. You still, you, st you still work with your doctor heavily. Um, the only thing we did is we decreased uh, whatever the hell it's called, fluoxetine, whatever that is. Um, I can't remember the brand name for it, but um, we, we decreased that by a little bit um, just because it can cause nausea uh, and things like that. So it's um, like I said, it's, it, I'll be more than happy to provide some more feedback after the next uh, treatment because I'm actually kind of interested to see the, the longevity uh, of it. Like I said, I, if anything, um, like I said, it didn't cure it. I'm not back up to like what I'd call a zero, maybe a, a negative three now, but I'm not noticing those, those deep dives or that constant deep pressure, a lot of energy and focus is back, uh, desire to do you know, projects, uh, around the house, things like that. Unfortunately, my body is not keeping up with that, but you know, <laughs> again, that's the age cleaned thing, up my right? office so, and yeah. getting organized and all that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, when is your kind of next treatment, you know, because, uh, I would like to have you back because we we've, we've talked about the treatment. We've talked about what you've gone through in terms of the feeling during a treatment. You know, we talked about the treatment as a whole, like you outlined kind of what the treatment was. We've talked about the experience of going through a specific treatment mm -hmm. and, and I would love to have you back. And like you're saying, what, what is life post-treatment? Like, so kind of I'm home now, what does that look like? How has that been? And I'd love to have you back for, like you said, yeah. another episode to do a follow-up there. So what I mean, is that? so far, I know a lot of people say words like life-changing in reference to it. Um, that might be extremely optimistic. I'm not quite ready to make that judgment yet, but I've had some of the best weeks across August that I've had in decades. Um, you know, I took my wife out for her birthday, had a great time out. Um, I've had energy to get my office cleaned up and organized and sorted things that I've not been able to do for, for over two years. Um, and so as Did you far throw as my that next piece treatment, of paper away, just out of curiosity, that, I know that piece of paper is, is somewhere <laughs> gone. It's, it's either in the Holly Springs, uh, Holly Springs <laughs> landfill or in a recycling center. Somewhere. Good. Good. So. Just want to make sure uh, it, it is interesting. I just saw here doctors who administer IV ketamine tend to recommend patients continue with their regular antidepressant regime. Yeah. Now, again, Doc, obviously, because we are up against a hard stop for you and want to be respectful of your time, I want to first say thank you for being here. Second, I would like to point out to all of our mass debaters at home, if you are in earshot listening, please do not talk to Tyrone on the trunk of his fucking car and try to take ketamine just because of what you've heard Doc say. Please go to your physician, go to somebody who understands the treatment, understands the process. And I think Doc would echo that. Do your research, Absolutely. do your due diligence. Go and see somebody, if it's your psychiatrist, your therapist, uh, a medical doctor, somebody, and, and ask about it if you are interested. But don't just go, oh, well, Doc said ketamine's great, and Tyrone sells it out of his trunk. Don't do that. That would be a mistake. So, uh, you know, Doc, thank you for being here. Definitely want to do a follow-up. For all you listeners out there, please pay attention. We are going to have Doc back on, kind of see what the long-term long implications are of this type of treatment and how does it help. And uh, and again, if you want to go back, episode uh, 235, season two, episode 35, the doc was on. That was our mental health issue episode where we talked about male mental health. Uh, please go and listen to that. I just noticed it is it is trending and it is getting a lot of hits. It's actually tied right now for first place with the Haas Nest Monster. What? I did not realize that, but it is it is quite popular. So, um, Haas, you, you may be unseated as the number one episode. Hey, man, if I got to be unseated, I hope you, you got to buy that one. You got to, yeah, yeah. yes, yeah. And, absolutely. And obviously, we will we will say this uh, till we are blue in the face. If you do have an issue with depression, if you are unsure, if you are concerned, please don't deal with it by yourself. Call somebody, talk to somebody. You know what? Hit up the full horseman of the spirit of debate dot com and just drop us an email and saying, hey, whatever. You know, we'll send you a phone number. 
suicide prevention hotline. Doesn't matter, but talk to somebody. You are not alone. You are not dealing with this by yourself. I don't care what they say about men and the mentality of dealing with uh, these issues. You talk to somebody. That is the most important thing. Women, you do the same. I mean, if we can talk about butt plugs and buttholes and eating ass, we can talk about <laughs> right. mental. We can talk about mental. No I mean, shit. But definitely, gentlemen, I, I will leave you to yes. uh, discussing <laughs> your uh, butt plug sizing. Well, Doc, on that, Doc, I'm going to get out of here. <laughs> Doc, we do appreciate yeah, your time. Looking forward to coming back, um, yes. especially especially interested on observing and, and talking about kind of the long-term effects, because yeah. that's really more, so, it's, it's great to have relief for a month, but, you know, we want to get a, a long-term good, solution, right? Long-term yeah, I think solution. I saw Absolutely. like like something like thirty percent of people don't come back, or they just have periodic boosters. Yeah, hey, that's a start. So, uh, Doc, thank you so much for all you listeners at home. Check yeah, out our you. website at aspirateddebate.com. You can drop us a line there. Check out all the drinks that we have here. The Doc's high quality H high quality H two O, as the water boy would say. Uh, hopefully, you know, going out today, you are not drinking. You are an intelligent man. Thank you so much for doing that. Uh, you know, but check out our website, all of the drinks we have there. You can drop us a line or you can hit us up, as I just said, at our email address, the four horsemen at a spirited debate.com, a drink you'd like us to try, a topic you'd like us to debate. If you have a question for the doc and these ketamine treatments, uh, go ahead and send that in. We will touch base with the doc. Maybe he can shed some light, but always, always go to a qualified physician for those answers. So gentlemen, thank you so much. Love doing this week in and week out. I appreciate it. And doc, we will definitely have you back on. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate, really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you. All right, man. information or opinions expressed during the Aspirated Debate podcast series or any affiliated podcast are solely those of the hosts or guests involved and do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the host or guests may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. While guests are invited to listen, listeners acknowledge that they are not being provided professional advice from the podcast or its guests. The content within the parameters of Aspirited Debate podcast series or any affiliated podcast are for entertainment and educational purposes only. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual.